five, four, three, two, one. Hello, how are you? Welcome to episode 28 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at S I R D R J M. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on all those fun things out there. And of course, you can reach out to me and uh, engage with me, especially over on Twitter. Um, if you listen to the show, if you're a fan of the show, give me a follow and feel free to send me uh, send me requests, send me comments, send me questions, send me anything you want me to talk about on the show. And uh, hopefully I'll feel knowledgeable enough on the topic to talk about it. If not, then I might do some research and uh, I'll hopefully bring it up anyways. So you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, uh, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that. Now, uh, today, before I dive into things and the show, I wanted to actually mention uh, I took last week off just because I had been feeling like there there hadn't been a ton of news in terms of uh, signings in the Overwatch League or otherwise, you know, updates. Um, the Winter Wonderland hadn't been announced for the game, for the, you know, base game and all that stuff. So I largely felt like there just wasn't a ton to talk about. So I actually took last week off and I might just go to a every two weeks posting kind of schedule. So this episode should go up on December the 16th, meaning the next episode and the final episode of the year would probably be recorded and posted on December 30th, uh, 29th, 30th. So posted on the 30th. So We'll see how much transpires over the next week, but given that uh, we're going into the holiday season hardcore now, I would suspect there's going to be even less that comes out than there was that sort of uh, second week, first week of December. Um, So likely you won't hear from me again until December 30th, but if you have a problem with that, if you think you'd rather get your weekly episode, reach out to me on Twitter and uh, we'll go from there and maybe I'll just record an extra one. might be a little shorter, but... I could always do that. So today, however, we're going to dive into all sorts of things. Of course, as I mentioned, the uh, Winter Wonderland event is now live. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about D.Va breaking the game, as well as all of the latest and greatest trades and moves in the Overwatch League. So without any further ado, let's hop right on in. Playtime's over. All right. So pulling from the Winter Wonderland. Oh, wow. Sorry. Pulling from the overwatch website i've got the winter wonderland 2020 event up on my screen here so i'm going to give you a breakdown of some of the things some of the skins some of the exciting new game modes and everything that is happening with this latest event Um, so first things first the event will run from december 15th to january 5th giving you just about 20 days there to uh collect everything and to compete in uh in all of the new game modes for that limited event. So it reads like this, join the festivities, get ready to slay the competition with the return of Overwatch Winter Wonderland. Unwrap new cosmetics, earn weekly rewards, and admire the delightfully festive decor on your favorite decked out holiday maps. It's got a little bit more there, but that's all I'm going to read there. So first things first, they've got uh, a new uh, arcade mode to 
give a try to. Um, the description reads like this. It's called free thaw elimination. Get ready to freeze your foes in this brand new 4v4 brawl. Instead of dying, players will be frozen solid in blocks of ice that their teammates can thaw. Freeze everyone on the enemy team to secure a win, but watch out. A defrosted foe might turn the tables and put you on ice instead. Earn new achievements and unlock unique sprays for proving your worth in the frosted fray. So if you watch the little intro whatever announcement video they have for the winter wonderland 2020 um you'll see a little snippet of this new game mode where players uh or characters kind of get a uh, freeze block just like may has as her regular ability and it just kind of is all red highlighted and freezes them in place there um so it looks interesting for sure i uh i personally have never been too big on some of the winter game modes that they release um i like the snowball one the maze snowball challenge or whatever where you where you just suck up the snowballs and shoot them at each other um but you know the yeti hunt and and that kind of thing i've never been too crazy about a yeti hunt in my mind always seems like it should be more fun than it is and then you end up playing it and it just kind of sucks and I'm not a fan so anyways I digress moving on from there maze snowball offensive is also coming back team up to ice over your enemies in this 6v6 brawl everyone plays as may and her endothermic blaster has been modified to fire a single super powered snowball take down an enemy only requires one hit but a miss can be costly they've also got snowball deathmatch which is eight person free for all brawl with uh three lethal snowballs in may's blaster giving them multiple chances to ice the competition before having to reload so that one just kind of a modified version of maze snowball offensive and then of course they are bringing back the yeti hunter which features six players brawling against uh sorry six player brawl sets five maze against one yeti who uses winston's abilities the yeti must survive long enough to eliminate enemy maze before they take him down so as i mentioned there i'm not a big fan of the yeti hunter mode however the uh snowball deathmatch and maze snowball offensive i i actually don't mind the two of those they can be they can be quite fun so now moving on from there we do of course have the return of the weekly challenges as we've seen uh, is becoming tradition with with these larger in-game events um, so the first week that would be december 15th to the 22nd we have play to earn and it looks like this win three games you get an elf junkrat player icon win six games you get elf junkrat spray and win nine games you get elf junkrat epic skin so this is a uh a an okay skin i'd say um it's not too bad i i like what they've done with junkrat's gun and his uh rip tire on his back there looks kind of kind of holiday wooden themed kind of thing christmas lights on the rip tire so that's kind of cool other than that i mean junkrat is just mostly just green and wearing a green santa hat which is kind of cool but uh honestly it kind of just looks like a sickly junkrat if you ask me now week two looks like this december 22nd to the 29th win three games gingerbread on a player icon win six games gingerbread on a spray and win nine games gingerbread on an epic skin so this one honestly um this is probably my least favorite of the three and i i'm not too too impressed with this one kind of just looks like anna wearing a gingerbread man uh apron um although i mean she's got a sort of red jacket she's got kind of a red and pink burgundy theme going on here and it looks just like a lot of browns and reds and she's got a nice little gingerbread man on the front of her apron there so not too thrilled with that one but hey if if anna's your thing then then go for it the final one however is probably the best 
weekly reward they've got there. So win three games, Frosty Roadhog player icon. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mention on Ana. Win three games, Gingerbread Ana player icon. Win six games, Gingerbread Ana spray. Win nine, Gingerbread Ana epic skin. Now then, final week, December 29th through January 5th. Win three games, Frosty Roadhog player icon. Win six games, Frosty Roadhog spray. And win nine games, Frosty Roadhog epic skin. So this one actually is definitely the best of the uh, weekly rewards. And it is pretty awesome, if you ask me. Uh, looking at it, it is Roadhog if he were some weird Jack Frost snowman demon monster. Um, his face is quite literally a snowman's head with... It, it almost looks closer to a jack-o'-lantern head, but it's definitely a snowman head with a big old carrot nose and some sharp teeth and some angry-looking eyes with a nice little top hat. Um, so I'm definitely into this one. Um, I love the look of it. He's got a... His belt says Snow Rage on it. Snow Rage, I guess. Hard to say what that is supposed to read as. But anyways, I definitely like that. It's a, it's a really good-looking one. So that's exciting. I'll definitely be going for uh, the Junkrat one and the Roadhog one. And, I mean, I'll probably just wind up getting the Ana one because that's usually what happens. But I digress. Uh, week one, I'd give it the, the good, not great. Week two, I'd give it the fine. And then week three, I'd give it the great. So moving on from there. We're looking at the new winter-themed skins, so definitely go take a look at these online if if you're interested, because um, some of them are certainly exciting and worth it. Uh, first up, we've got Conductor Reinhardt. So his uh, it's it's a Reinhardt skin, that's for sure. He definitely doesn't stray too far from the typical Reinhardt look of you know a lot of bulky armor kind of thing and a lot of uh, grays, but it's got some red highlights, some blue highlights, and he is a train conductor. Um, so from what I've read online, actually, I, I haven't actually dove into the event yet, but what I've read online is that with this skin, when he does his charge ability, it actually makes a train noise, which is probably one of the coolest things I've heard. So that's really cool. And that's, that's definitely a cool skin. Um, next up, we have Moira with the Ice Empress skin. And this is a uh, definitely a little bit inspired by a certain Ice Queen Elsa that uh, most of us will be familiar with from Disney's Frozen. Um, but certainly a, a decent one, not bad. I'd say on the better side of Moira skins. I'm not usually a big fan of most of the Moira skins, but this one does look kind of cool and kind of suits her theme of, you know, being that cold ice witch kind of lady. So I like that one. Uh, next up, we've got Torbjorn, who now has a Lumberjack skin, which I kind of I tilted my head at because I'm kind of like, he doesn't already have a Lumberjack skin? Like, I could have swore he did. I mean, he's got a Viking skin, which is kind of close, I guess. And I don't know, it just seems like a bit of an obvious one. So anyways, pulling it up, uh, this one I'm not too, too impressed with. He looks kind of typical Torbjorn, um, so I'm not too sure why it's a legendary skin, but... I digress. He's got a nice little brown beard, and he's definitely looking like he's ready to chop some wood. His hammer's a little axe, so that's kind of cool, I guess, but that's that. Um, the next one, one of the best ones, I'd say, is uh, Penguin May. So this one, as you probably guessed, is May looking like a penguin. Um, definitely one of the goofier ones, um, one of the more oddball out there ones, but it seems like May always seems to get those those kind of funny haha skins. So I like that one. It's uh, quite humorous. And then finally, we have Toybot Zenyatta, which is probably one of the best ones of this uh, of this event as well. And this is Zenyatta looking like a kind of a combination of 
uh, I heard a little bit, they were talking on plat chat that he looks a little Mega Man-esque. I don't know about that other than the fact that he's mostly blue. I was actually thinking he looks more like those um, those old toy uh, toy boxing match, those old boxing match robot toys where it's, you know, a single, single square that looks like a boxing ring. And on one side, you've got the red robot. And on the other side, you've got the blue robot and you mash a button and they kind of punch each other. And then eventually one of them gets the uppercut and the head pops off and the other one goes ding. Um, I think he kind of looks like that, but he's kind of got this cuboid, um, I don't know, early video game kind of Pong-esque screen as his face. And so it's actually showing, uh, I've noticed he's got some emotions there, which is exciting for Zenyatta fans. So definitely like that one. It's uh, it's one of the better ones. And then, of course, um, included are uh, in this event, available again, are all of the uh, past winter event skins. So I'm just looking at the list. Um, the winter event, I think, has definitely had some of the better skins. Um, there's definitely a lot that I'm a fan of, you know, looking at the oldest ones. I remember the Reaper Shiver, uh, yeah, Shiver skin was one of the first skins I unlocked for any character. And I think that's actually because I got the game around the holiday season the first year it was out. But uh, the Reaper Shiver skin was one of the first ones I unlocked and I used that thing forever because um, I definitely like the kind of blue glow that he has to him. Um, you know, going through the rest, there's there's some lesser ones like... I mean, honestly, you know, uh, uh, Sombra's peppermint skin, Zarya's frosted skin, nothing too exciting there. But then there's also some some of my favorites, you know, Winston's Yeti skin, um, the Ice Fisherman for Roadhog, the Snow Owl for Anna, Beach Rat for Junkrat is definitely one of my favorites, given that it uh, kind of flips things on the Aussie side, where it's, of course, their summer season when, uh, when December rolls around. Um, Looking at some other ones, I mean, Junkrat also got the Krampus skin. That's a really good one. Last year, Sigma got the Rhyme skin, which is dope. Um, you know, another Reaper one, the Rat King, is a sick skin. Um, and then, you know, Matt, there's good old Mountain Man McCree, which I should actually get that one. And, of course, Jotun uh, Doomfist is probably one of, the, one of the sickest ones as well, so... So that's what things look like for the uh, Winter Wonderland 2020 event. Of course, you've also got your emotes coming through this this uh, round and your intros, your festive intros. Um, looks like there's like three new emotes. I'm uh, just going to play one here. Hopefully they don't have sound. But um, oh, yep, yep. We got a Mercy one. We got a, uh, a Doomfist one with some mistletoe and... Uh, and we've got a Junkrat one. So those were all actually teased in the video as well. So anyways, get out there, get your wins in while you still can and uh, get working towards that Junkrat skin for the first week. So that is that. Now, the next story I want to talk about this week, um, also announced today. So today is December 15th. Diva has been temporarily disabled in all Overwatch game modes because she has an invincibility bug. So I pulled up an article here on .esports.com from Rachel Samples, and I'm just going to give it a quick read, although I'll start with the embedded tweet from the Blizzard CS uh, account. They said, hashtag Overwatch, we have identified an issue with D.Va and will need to disable her temporarily while the problem is investigated and fixed. Now the article reads, Blizzard Entertainment has temporarily removed D.Va from all Overwatch's game modes after a new bug surfaced following today's patch. The bug caused the tank hero to become invincible in matches after having her health fully depleted while inside her mecha. Quote, and then they quote the, uh, tech, uh, the tweet there. 
The bug prevented D.Va players from automatically ejecting from their mecha at zero health points, allowing them to continue shooting at enemies and using their defense matrix. This, of course, provided an unfair advantage for teams, which ultimately resulted in Blizzard stepping in and removing the tank hero from all game modes. This issue followed today's patch, which launched the 2020 Winter Wonderland event, added the new priority pass system, which we'll talk about shortly, and fine-tuned the replay viewer, which we'll also talk about shortly. Fans can find the full list of changes in the December 15th patch notes. Overwatch fans should keep an eye on the Blizzard support Twitter account or the game's forums to receive updates on when D.Va is ready to rejoin the fight. So a bit of an odd one there. Um, I wanted to bring it up, though, because I just feel like it's not actually too often that you see this kind of thing. Um... I mean, I honestly can't even recall the last time they had to full-on disable a character in-game because uh, they were that broken. So obviously this was not intended. This is not a balancing. This is not a uh, not a purposeful patch move kind of thing. Um, this must be caused by some, some glitch in the system causing her to uh, not eject out of her mecha. And I, I mean, by all means, hey, if I had discovered that, that would have been uh, kind of fun. Just an invincible diva, so exciting stuff there just build up that uh well actually now now that i think about it i was gonna say just build up that ult and then pop your uh pop your nuke and keep building it up but now that i say that i wonder if when you ulted if it even ejected you from your mech or not but anyways um you know just a psa for all those diva mains out there next up and the next article i want to talk about oh actually is um so also announced today uh soon joins the boston uprising now as i've talked about before i um i had planned to actually include a lot of the trades and moves in the news section this week i feel like we actually have enough uh, news that I don't necessarily need to do that, but I'm including this one in here because I liked this one. So, uh, again, from dotesports.com, Liz Richardson writes, soon joins the Boston Uprising. The Boston Uprising tweet and tweezed teased on social media that it had an announcement coming soon, but this wasn't what most fans were expecting. Former, former Paris Eternal DPS Terrence Soon Tarlier is joining the uprising for the 2021 Overwatch League season, the team announced today. Soon is a veteran of the competitive Overwatch scene, having participated in tournaments as early as 2016 as a part of Misfits and Rogue. When the Overwatch League began in late 2017, he was recruited to the Los Angeles Valiant. After a year on the Valiant, the French native joined his home team, the Paris Eternal, and played with them for two years. The Eternal completely restructured its team during the 2020 offseason and dropped all of its previous players. The Boston Uprising has been busy restructuring its team after a disappointing 2020 season. While Boston has re-signed a few of its core players, um, and then I'm going to skip over some of this that I'll talk about later, uh, former Shanghai Dragons, blah, 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 have also joined the roster. So I'm skipping over some of that because I'll talk about it in a minute. Many of the Uprising's upgrades have been orchestrated by head coach Kim Loris Young-Hoon, a former coach for Overwatch contenders teams like WGS Phoenix and Eternal Academy. With these changes, the Boston Uprising is likely to rise above its last place finish in the 2020 season. So I wanted to bring this one up because uh, I don't think this was necessarily a move that most people would have predicted. Um, and to that same effect, I reading into this, I suspect that soon, uh, well, so I don't think Boston would have been any player's first choice. 
I don't think that's a secret. Generally speaking, players don't want to go to a bottom team, um, let alone the last place team and a, a very poorly performing team um, from the past season. That said, knowing the situation in Paris um, and knowing that they literally nuked their whole team and there was a lot of talk about the fact that um, they, they, you know, the Paris team doesn't have a ton of um, outside sponsorship and uh, they were really struggling and there was basically one person running their social media, running their trials, um, trying to build a roster and everything like that. And I'll talk about that in a little bit here too. Um, because of all that, I suspect that soon probably would not have found another team this season. Um, I just don't think, I just don't think that uh, many players were looking for someone with with you know that high of a veteran presence. Um, not that the veteran presence is the problem; it's more the pool of players that's available this season. I think a lot of teams likely, and I mean as we've seen, were going to the contenders pool to bring in new blood as opposed to uh, you know signing a veteran like soon. Now, do I think that's a bad thing? Uh, or do I think either way is a bad thing? Certainly not. I think Soon definitely proved he was one of those Paris players this past season who really proved that, um, you know, he could still compete with the best of them. Um, Paris had a really great season and it really was a shame to see, um, to see what happened uh, and see their roster just completely um, nuked pretty early on into the offseason, if I recall correctly. So anyways, good for soon, good for the Boston Uprising for, you know, bringing him in. Hopefully he'll have a really great season and, and hey, hopefully, uh, hopefully he can stick around in the league as long as he'd like to. So moving on from there, let's get back to uh, some news that isn't player moves. That I think should be the last of the player moves that I'm actually going to talk about in the news section here. And then we'll talk about a whole bunch in the Owl Tracker. So, again, posted today on DottieSports.com, December 15th here, we have an article from Liz Richardson where she breaks down some of the latest uh, changes or uh, updates to the game in this latest patch. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit of her article just because she gives a good breakdown of things. Priority passes upgraded replayer viewer now live in Overwatch. Before the holidays get into full swing, the Overwatch developers have a few gifts to give the, out to the community. The game's December 15th live patch mostly focuses on the 2021 Winter Wonderland event, but substantial improvements to the replay viewer will help content creators and spectators better uh, produce better games. In addition, the priority pass system is now live, rewarding players for filling in necessary roles to improve the queue system. Priority passes. Teased in last month's developer update, the priority pass system has now hit the live Overwatch servers. Players can now choose the flex option when queuing for a game, which means they agree to play any of the three roles required to reduce queue times. After doing this, a player will earn priority passes that will, quote, decrease queue time for a role currently experiencing higher traffic, end quote, according to the developers. During the flex games, players will earn more priority passes for wins than for losses, encouraging teamwork and quality play. In competitive and quick play mode, the damage roll often has the highest traffic and longest queue times. By flexing to support or tank to earn priority passes, players will also be helping others experience lower queue times as a result. 
Replay Viewer. Content creators and game spectators now have a whole new set of toys to play with in the upgraded Replay Viewer system. To make for a fine-tuned experience, developers have added increased levels of playback speed control, along with the ability to change spectator camera behavior. Numerous user interface options can now be independently toggled or customized, allowing for more creative control over a replay's visuals. Player names, team banners, and player outline strength can all be customized or removed to create an immersive experience. Before this update, content creators had to work with the base red and blue, as well as every standard UI piece. All of the usual Overwatch information, like first-person weapon information or ultimate percentage, can now be toggled on or off. The full list of replayer viewer, replay viewer changes can be found in the December 15th patch notes. These changes, as well as the, winter 20, the 2020 Winter Wonderland event, are now live on all Overwatch platforms. So, um, this one is actually, I wanted to bring this up because, again, the patch hit today. Obviously, we've seen, we've already talked about a few things that the patch brought, good and bad. Um, but these two are, in my mind, the likely the most significant things. Um, obviously, I mean, D.Va getting taken out of the game is pretty significant, but that was not intentional. And then Winter Wonderland is, you know, again, just another event. And at that, we've seen this event a few times already. So in my mind, these changes are actually quite significant um, for a few reasons. So first things first, priority passes, obviously the intention of this is to help with a lot of the queue times which is really great and i think will uh, i i really hope it will help quite a bit um and i look forward to really testing this out because i haven't touched it at all yet like i say i haven't popped into the game uh since the the latest patch went live um but i'm excited for this because you know by all means i primarily play support i occasionally dabble in the tank role and when I want to play DPS, which I do like, I do enjoy DPS, and and I certainly I think I have a few characters that I'm pretty decent at. Um, but when I want to play them, I don't generally uh, queue for the DPS role in competitive, I because I just don't want to deal with the wait line. So I will actually queue for the open queue, um, and more recently the the open whatever it was no limits queue, just so that I can go for a DPS character and, and have a little fun on them. Um, now, does that mean that I take that that open queue too seriously? Definitely not. And I think that's what the priority passes kind of aims to fix. I would suspect they see a lot of traffic of, of that same kind of thing. I don't think I'm too unique in that. Um, and so anyways, I'm looking forward to this priority passes system because hopefully it will mean that I can use some of these to bring down the DPS queue and maybe I can actually seriously... Uh, start to flex and start to build some skill on some of those DPS characters that I really enjoy playing. So I'm looking forward to that one a lot and uh, I'll definitely be diving in to test that out. And then of course the replay viewer, um, something that I'm, you know, not as into just because I don't, you know, I don't capture gameplay and that kind of thing. But at that same time, this is huge for the community. Um, and, and not only the community, I guess, this is also huge for uh, the competitive scene, right? Because this will, this will only make uh, content that is being produced in both of those veins stronger, um, you know, giving content creators more freedom to do what they want, to really make the product that they want. And at the same time, um, on the competitive side, to give the audience, well, not even just the competitive side, both sides, but giving the audience more of what they want, um, more of what their vision is when it comes to uh, when it comes to their content. Um, 
I think only only benefits everyone, right? Um, I'm I'm especially excited to see how the Overwatch League integrates this because obviously they do a lot of that th stuff on the fly. And if you listen to interviews or you read anything from, um, uh, they're called observers. So they are the people who are controlling the camera and who are you know jumping around from angle to angle and focusing on certain elements of a game in the competitive scene and that kind of thing. Um, you do hear a lot of them talk about some of this stuff and how you know you want to consider certain angles you want to consider a storyline you're telling you want to consider what you're showing and uh when you're showing it and when you need to jump around and things like that and i think it'll really it'll really help having more options and more customizability um from their standpoint and not only that i mean look at the the game breaks between um you know between rounds in a match um in the overwatch league or or wherever and i think it'll only help them the casters or the uh the desk as well to to review things and and really kind of focus on what they want to focus on so so anyways that's an exciting one and i'm very excited for both of those things and uh you love to see it right only only strengthening the game if you ask me and actually on to that ilk i will also say that i think these changes like this um it's really great that they're putting them in now. I realize that obviously the game is, um, you know, came out in 2016, so it's four going on five years old. It'll be five years old in May. Um, but the fact that they're still making changes like that, certainly I, I lean towards the uh, why now kind of thing, or or no, I guess the what took you so long. You know, you'd think some of these changes would have come sooner, especially things like the replay viewer. But I do think that this also bodes well for the future of Overwatch and, of course, Overwatch 2, because uh, I don't see a I don't see a world where the where Overwatch 2 launches and doesn't have the priority pass system, um, which means queue times. I mean, at the peak when the game launches will just be insanely quick, I would imagine. Um, and then um, on top of that, obviously, all of the replay viewer only means good things for content creators, you know. Um, we're going to have a new, certainly when Overwatch 2 launches, we're going to have a new wave of content creation for, for Overwatch. So um, really great that they're getting these things out now. People can test them, keep, people can play with them while, uh, while the game is not, you know, under insane amounts of stress that it will be when the second launches. Um, so, you know, good stuff all around. Now, the final article I want to talk about here is actually going to come, it's going to start on Twitter, and then I'm going to pull up an article, again, another one from LizRichardson at .esports.com. But I'm going to read this post from the Philadelphia Fusion on December 10th. 2021 Philadelphia Fusion Season Update. As we continue to navigate the global pandemic, the Philadelphia Fusion's team operations will temporarily relocate to Seoul, South Korea, and will compete against teams in the Pacific Division during the 2021 Overwatch League season. Health and safety remains our top priority in making this transition, and we are working closely with the Overwatch League and local health officials to ensure the well-being of our players, coaches, and staff while in Seoul. No matter our physical location, we will continue to work hard to bring a Grand Finals Championship title to our incredible Fusion fans and the city of brotherly love. So, um, I'll touch on the article here now. Article reads, Philadelphia Fusion relocates to Seoul for the Overwatch 
uh, League's 2021 season. One North American powerhouse won't be playing stateside during the Overwatch League's 2021 season. The Philadelphia Fusion announced today the team's operations will be temporarily moved to Seoul due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. As a result, the Fusion will play against Asia-Pacific bracket APAC teams next year. The Philadelphia Fusion is the first North American team to relocate to Seoul, South Korea. Uh, uh, sorry, to relocate to South Korea ahead of the 2021 Overwatch League season. While multiple players on the Fusion roster hail from Korea, most of the team's players and management staff are from Western countries. Philadelphia's Overwatch Contenders Academy team, T1, is already located in South Korea. Um, they then quote the tweet there and go on to say, during the 2020 season, multiple teams with a majority of South Korean players relocated to Seoul and its surrounding municipalities during the COVID-19 crisis. The New York Excelsior and London Spitfire relocated to Seoul uh, to South Korea in March 2020 and joined the APAC division. Multiple Chinese teams, including the Guangzhou Charge, also relocated to Korea in 2020. This move would make the Philadelphia Fusion the first North American team with Western players to relocate to South Korea. The team has not yet commented on any potential visa issues, which plagued multiple Overwatch League players during the 2020 season. So, this one is a very very significant article um, or announcement um, as it relates to the Overwatch League of course. Um, so I want to talk about a few things here. Number one is Liz Richardson does point out that this is the first team to kind of announce this kind of thing um, and on that vein I wanted to say I was very surprised when I saw this obviously I don't think many people knew about this happening but second, I'm curious what this means for other teams in the APAC region. Um, in in terms, sorry, other teams leaving the North American region to go to the APAC region. Obviously, as she mentions in her article there, the London Spitfire, the New York Excelsior, um, even the Guangzhou Charge, all relocated to Seoul um, last year. Now, the curious part about it is that I remember there was a report from Yiska on GG Recon about what the format of the upcoming season might look like. And in that article, he specifically mentioned, um, and I haven't double-checked check, this, but I'm 99% sure he mentioned that the New York Excelsior might be relocating back to New York. Um, so this does make me wonder, okay, so is Philly going to be the only team that does this? Are we just swapping one for one? And that does seem a little bit strange. Um, it, it seems odd to me that you would just swap one for one and uh, now you've still got the APAC region, which has maybe, I, th I think it was seven teams, whereas the North American region has 13. Um, so that brings into my mind, well, if Philadelphia is doing it and New York's not, maybe Philadelphia opens the door to other teams doing it. Um, and in that vein, I, I watched the most recent episode of Plat Chat today and... Uh, Sideshow, Mr. X, um, Johnny Reinforce, and uh, and Bren talked about the fact that the Toronto Defiant are looking like a more and more of a Korean roster. Um, now, obviously, they've got Logics, they've got Beast, and uh, you know their ownership group over Active Media is is North American, um, in fact, Canadian, I believe, um, and they've likely got a lot of staff that is you know from North America. But the head coach and many of the the uh, players being Korean does raise a bit of an eyebrow to me 
that maybe the Toronto Defiant might be a likely candidate to do that. Now, obviously, we don't want to read into this too much because, you know, we've seen teams go with a full Korean roster. Um, you know, obviously, the Florida Mayhem, um, obviously, the Washington Justice have just been restructuring this past season as well. Um, and certainly, they have both played in in North America the entire time. So Toronto's just the one that, that kind of came up um, on that episode of Plat Chat that I mentioned today. But it does make me wonder, you know, why would we swap one for one uh, when they could really balance out the league? You know, they could make it so that this APAC region is, if not 10 teams, much closer to 10 teams. Um, it did seem, in my opinion, the, in the past season, a little imbalanced, um, especially when it came to, you know, coming into the grand finals and everything. And and I would like to see a change there. Um, so, I, you know, again, it makes me wonder if Philly's going over there. Could other teams follow? Why not, right? Now, moving on from that, there's also a few other things that I think are important to talk about here. Um, these, again, pretty much speculation, but I think these aren't these aren't hard things to figure out. Um, so I think it is also a very bold move seeing Philadelphia do this because traditionally we haven't seen teams do this kind of thing. Generally speaking, I think what we've seen is... You know, Activision Blizzard is a North American company. Um, it's a North American development studio. Um, they're based out of California, if I'm not mistaken. The Overwatch League itself as an organization is obviously owned by uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard as well. Um, you know, many of the ownership groups of the teams are, uh, are North American. Now, obviously, you do have other ones that aren't. Um, you know, there are Chinese teams. There are uh, Korean teams. There I mean, even the European teams and everything like that, too. Um, but I think this is interesting because typically we've seen the opposite, right? We've seen the teams coming over to North America to play. Um, obviously the first couple of seasons were all centralized out of one place, but again, you saw all Korean rosters coming over to North America. Even still, we have Florida, we have Washington with all Korean rosters in North America. Maybe this becomes the norm. And we now see other teams that don't even necessarily have an all-Korean roster going over to a place like Seoul. Um, as long as the accommodations are, are up to par with, with what would be acceptable, um, then I think that's a very realistic thing and, and would only benefit and make the league stronger, right? Um, I've talked before, I love the global nature, the international nature of the league um, and the fact that, you know, we do see teams from all around the globe and we see players from all around the globe and everything like that. And I've also talked about how um, it seems like we don't typically see um, a lot of these uh, North American players going over to some of these um, either, either I, I guess, APAC-based teams. Um, but a move like this does say to me that there's no reason that can't happen. Um, so all in all, what I'm saying is I'm really excited to see this kind of move. And I honestly hope there's more coming, even if it's for, you know, teams that are maybe a favorite of mine, like the Toronto Defiant or, or teams that I'm excited to see this next season, like, uh, like the Washington Justice. And I'm just picking that one for example, but I would be really excited to see more moves like this and see the league really balance things out and really kind of break down those barriers of the fact that this is a global league. And, you know, it doesn't matter the name on the team. Um, 
I guess, honestly, what matters is, is the fan base that you build and the following that you have, right? So there you go. That's the Philadelphia Fusion. Moving to Seoul for the Overwatch League's 2021 season, uh, the fourth season of the Overwatch League. There's no stopping me. All right. Well, we are 39 minutes into the show, so let's move on to the Owl Tracker, where we take a look at all of the moves going on in the Overwatch League. Um, obviously, because I took last week off of the show, we have about two weeks of updates to catch up on. So this is going to be a bit of a lengthy one. Um, I'm, I will try not to pause too, too much. Um, and I'll try to keep this train rolling just because a lot of these, um, you know, you will have already heard about and are a little bit older at this point. Um, but once we get into, uh, into more of the, uh, recent ones, probably about December on just cause there haven't been a ton. Well, no, but I digress as I get further on in them, I'll, uh, talk a little bit more about some of them. So we're going to start back here on November 24th. Um, and again, I might have talked about some of these on uh, at the end of last show, uh, but I'm going to cover them real quick here. So, November 24th, Houston Outlaws sign Flex Support Crimzo, Toronto Defiant sign Off Tank Michelle, and Shanghai Dragons add Flex Support Molly. And I definitely covered that on last week's episode, uh, two weeks ago episode. November 25th, Houston Outlaws add Happy DPS Happy. Um, I don't have too much to say that about that just because I'm not too familiar with Happy. Um, Happy was, I believe, on the Guangzhou charge. So again, you know, this relating this back to what I was just talking about, I love seeing these kind of moves. Um, I love seeing players go from, you know, one region to another because I really just think it kind of opens doors, break down, breaks down barriers for, uh, for more of that kind of thing. So November 26th, Chengdu Hunters add, and I want to say this is pronounced Gaia, uh, main tank Gaia and Flex support Faraway 1987. Both will play for Team CC in the Contenders Gauntlet. Um, so this one was a bit of an interesting one just because uh, they're bringing these two players over, but they had already um, announced that they were going to be playing in uh, the Contenders Gauntlet tournament that was ongoing uh, at the end of November there. I'm not sure if it's still ongoing. I, I know it went on for a while, but I'm, I just don't keep up with it too much, so I can't say one way or the other for sure. But exciting stuff. November 27th, Seoul Dynasty parts ways with main support Toby, Shanghai Dragons parts ways with main tank Stand 1, and former London Spitfire main tank J-Mac retires from professional play. Um, talked about a little bit of this last week as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, J-Mac posted a twit longer there. You can go find him on Twitter if you'd like to look at this. It is at J-E-U-N-G-M-A-C underscore O-W. Um, and that one is... Uh, Bit of a bit of a sad one to see, just because uh, you know it's always sad to see players moving on from from competitive play altogether. Um, stand one is an interesting one for the simple fact of uh, where we will find out he ends up, but uh, I'll get there in a moment. And then the Soul Dynasty parting main parting ways with Toby um, again, a bit of a sad one. I'm I'm not too thrilled about that. I. I definitely didn't think, you know, uh, Toby was a shining star on the Soul Dynasty, but I certainly would like to see him land somewhere else um, because I definitely did enjoy seeing Soul play at the end of uh, this past season. So, November 29th, Soul Dynasty adds DPS, Park, Sabiolbi, Jung Riol, and main support Jung Animo Taesung. Um, obviously, that is a pretty big deal given the history of the two in the league and obviously the history of the two 
over in uh, New York. Um, as we talked about before, New York letting go of most of their existing roster and most of their uh, most of their beloved roster, honestly. In a lot of ways, New York had a really solid fan base and had built up this kind of, in a lot of ways, this legendary status, um, you know, even, even without being able to win the ultimate prize. Um, New York had a lot of dedicated fans, still does, obviously and uh, had built a lot of their players to be these uh, these personalities and these kind of poster poster people for the organization. So exciting to see, um, after they were released from New York, exciting to see them both landing in Seoul and, uh, and will be really interesting to see what Seoul is able to get out of them because certainly they, they both were a part of defining that style, um, that very kind of uh, passive, more defensive, more slow style that uh, the New York Excelsior were known for. So it'd be interesting to see how they integrate into another team like Seoul. Also on November 29th, Guangzhou Charge adds former players Neko and Damon as assistant coaches. So exciting one there. I've talked before. I always like to see players um, being integrated into organizations in non-player capacities because I always think that that's good for organizations and that's good for the league overall, a good look. Moving on from there, November 30th, the San Francisco Shock signed DPS Nero. Um, I think, I honestly, I want to say I talked about this one last week. Um, looking at the timeline, it definitely, this would have occurred just before... Um, just before I recorded my episode. So I definitely talked about this one. An exciting one to see. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, not the only announcement we'll see or we'll read about from the San Francisco Shock here. December 1st. Oh yeah, I definitely talked about that one as well. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I might be covering some of this stuff again, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. Vancouver Titans add DPS Linkser, Off Tank, FRD, and Main Support Fire. Also on December 1st, San Francisco Shock signed DPS Glister, Boston Uprising signed Main Tank Stand 1, and Shanghai Dragons re-signed DPS DM. So lots going on there on December 1st. Um, I had already talked about the Vancouver Titan stuff, but I'll touch on it here again. Uh, Linkser is kind of the standout of those three, but certainly Fire and FRD coming over from the Atlanta Reign um, will hopefully shake things up enough or, or give the Vancouver Titans something of a... a I don't know, something, some form of structure to rely on, and, and hopefully they'll see some success. You know, I'd hate to see, Vancouver, as a Vancouver fan, I'd hate to see Vancouver struggle at the bottom of the league again. Um, and yet, at the same time, you know, looking at a lot of the moves that other teams are making, looking at um, a lot of the rosters that other teams are building, and a lot of the contenders players teams are bringing up and uh, utilizing and things like that, um, I am a little worried about the Vancouver Titans, but I digress. As I mentioned, San Francisco Shock signed Glister. Um, so that's a big one. Um, San Francisco definitely seeming like they you cannot stop their DPS machine that they're building. And uh, certainly, I mean, Coach Krusty on the San Francisco Shock has proven that he can take players that, you know, maybe are a little rough around the edges or players that are kind of a, you know, have that skill but don't necessarily have that team... Uh, uh, foundation behind them. Uh, he's definitely proven he can take those players and mold them and really make them successful. So hopefully we'll see a lot of good stuff out of uh, some of these newer DPS players joining the San Francisco Shock this season. 
Moving on from there, uh, I, I mentioned Boston signing stand one. And again, as I said, that's a, an exciting one because uh, we just heard about him being released from the Shanghai Dragons a little little while before that. So good for him. And then Shanghai re-signing DM. Um, no surprise there, truly. I think it, w- it would have been surprising if they didn't re-sign DM, um, given DM's history and his uh, how, honestly, uh, skilled he is. But... Um, even still, uh, good to see it happen, right? Of course. Moving on from there, December 4th, Houston Outlaws add main tank Jungu and off tank Piggy. Um, both, if I'm not mistaken, are contenders players. So again, I don't know too, too much about them. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say, uh, I'm just taking a look here. I don't see a ton of information on either of them uh, in way of what I was hoping for. I remember hearing that one of them was a little more well-known, a little bit more of the exciting pickup than the other, but I don't truly remember what it was, so I digress. I'll just move on. Oh, still on December 4th, Los Angeles Gladiators sign Flex Support Skewed, um, another contenders player. Shanghai Dragons part ways with player coach Quartermain. Moving on from there, just because I don't have too much to say about either of those moves, because I don't know too much about them. December 7th, Houston Outlaws sign DPS KSF. So this is an interesting one. Um, Obviously, I think I talked about on my last episode, the uh, Los Angeles Valiant had seemingly been a little bit quiet lately. Um, I don't think we had heard a lot of them and heard a lot from them. Um, And certainly, they're, they're not a... They weren't a disappointing team this past season obviously you know they didn't win too much they didn't place too high um but at the same time everything that i heard read listened to whatever about them said that uh you know their coaching staff i think packing 10 is their coach uh was dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of constraints on the budget side of things and uh by all means i think they outperformed their their budget um in a lot of ways so certainly I am. Um, I'm surprised to see this one because I, I do wonder if it was simply a case of the Los Angeles Valiant uh, not being able to afford to keep KSF. Maybe Houston was able to make him a decent offer, and yet at the same time, um, maybe he was just looking to make a change. So, moving on from there, December 9th, Paris Eternal adds DPS Naga um, and Oni God, main tank Dawn, off tank Ellie Vote main support Neptuno, and flex support Khan. Former assistant general manager Kim Avala kyung E is promoted to general manager. So December 9th was uh, the Paris Eternals coming out day, obviously. Um, they made a big announcement there of just a whole bunch of things that I just read, obviously, and uh, a lot of exciting stuff there. You know, a few names that uh, you won't recognize from the Overwatch League, uh, Naga, Don, Khan, um, that kind of thing. And then a few names that you will recognize. Onigod, Elivote, uh, Neptuno. So definitely an exciting uh, exciting build that they're showing. And, and hopefully we'll see um, how these players can kind of mesh together and can, can really gel. Because uh, like I mentioned before, um, I was personally worried about Paris. And I think a lot of people are worried about Paris just with some of the rumors that were swirling about them. And uh, as I also mentioned, a lot of the talk was that... Uh, the former assistant general manager, Avala, 
was really doing all of the heavy lifting. Um, the, the rumor was that, you know, she was handling the social media. She was running trials. She was trying to build a team. Um, she was, you know, doing the budget. She was whatever, basically doing it all for them, um, which you have to imagine can't be easy when you're dealing with, you know, uh, young players and players of all different personalities and all different nationalities, um, as well as players in all different geographic areas and things like that. And just trying to coordinate everything and set everything up. I can't even imagine what that is like. Um, so, you know, applause all around to Avala, Avala, Avala. But obviously we see it paying off here, promoted to general manager. Um, and I definitely think that's really exciting. I think that uh, anyone you ask who knows the organization or knows Avala at all would have said that that was well-deserved. And of course, also exciting because that makes three female general managers in the Overwatch League, which is of course, always good to see. Moving on from there, we have our second to last update here. Uh, second to last day of updates. December 11th, Florida Mayhem adds main tank OG, main support slime, DPS checkmate. The team also re-signs DPS Yaki and BQB, off tank Gargoyle, and flex support Gangnam Jin. New York Excelsior sign Yakpong and off tank uh, Bianca, and the Houston Outlaws add main support Juby. So I'm going to do these in reverse because I want to talk about Florida a little bit. Houston Outlaws add main support Juby. Um, I don't know too, too much about Juby looking at things. Oh, that's right. Juby is actually a bit of an interesting one because uh, Juby came from uh, Harrisburg University. Um, so a collegiate player, which is certainly exciting to see and you'd like to see more of. But even in traditional sports, you don't typically see players going from, from a collegiate level up to the professional level. You generally do see them going to those farm teams those feeder teams um, that then feed into the league but i digress an exciting thing there um new york excelsior signing yakpung and bianca um i don't have too much to say about this one either for the simple fact that um you know listening to again i was listening to plat chat today and they talked a little bit about this um they didn't seem too too impressed um bianca was signed to the new york excelsior in 2019 actually um and so, you know, by all means, moving on up kind of thing, um, getting that re-sign. But uh, I don't know that anyone was too impressed with, with Bianca. And then I heard similar kind of things about Yakpung. Just, uh, you know, people weren't too impressed with Yakpung. If I understand correctly, I think he actually played in the league, maybe went back down to contenders and is now coming back up. But obviously, um, someone saw what they wanted to, and uh, he's now signed with the New York Excelsior. So exciting stuff. Now, I wanted to touch on the Florida announcement. So Florida has been teasing any fans and anyone who watches their social media for a while now and teasing us in the best way possible where they've been very much just, you know, giving us little bites of, oh, we're going to have roster announcements. Oh, when's a roster announcement going to come? Oh, it's going to come soon. Um, so it's definitely been fun to watch. And then finally, they dropped their announcement in a, uh, a sick video that I, I would love to see other teams do that kind of thing um because uh because it was definitely it was it was the right way to make an announcement like this so main tank og coming over from the los angeles gladiators main support slime coming over from the soul dynasty and dps checkmate coming up from uh contenders actually so really awesome to see all of these moves honestly i don't know much about checkmate um 
so I won't talk too much on that one. But Slime, obviously, we're all familiar with, and I'm so happy to see Slime going to a team that I like. Um, obviously, being a former Vancouver Titan fan, I wanted to see all of the Vancouver Titans of yore um, land on their feet. I was really excited when we saw Slime go to the Soul Dynasty because I think a lot of people had high expectations for Soul. Um, and obviously, they came you know, just shy of meeting them. But... Uh, Regardless, after he was released from the Soul Dynasty, I really wanted to see him land somewhere else, and I couldn't have asked for a better place than Florida for the simple fact that I really enjoyed Florida last season, and I like to call myself a Florida Mayhem fan now. Um, so I'm excited to see that one. Obviously, we have Twilight on the San Francisco Shock, and you know that one broke my heart a little bit just because I uh, have done my best to avoid becoming a fan of the San Francisco Shock, being that I was a fan of the Vancouver Titans. But, I mean, Twilight also kind of you know, allowed me to step into the San Francisco shock zone. And I certainly am a fan of them now. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, Twilight was on the team when they won the, the most recent grand finals. Um, so there you go. And then of course, um, you know, they're, well, I'm not talking about Vancouver here. I'll focus on Florida. So anyways, um, and then OG in the main tank role coming to Florida. I think this is a really good pickup. Um, and honestly a really good move for OG. I think for whatever reason, um, you know, he didn't gel with the Los Angeles Gladiators, which um, looking at the Los Angeles Gladiators last season on paper, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that was going to be the case. You know, I thought they had a pretty good roster. I was looking forward to seeing them. Um, I like space and I like OG. And for whatever reason, I think they just couldn't make their tank, tank line work in large part. And I think that's why they saw some of their struggles. So hopefully... Um, you know, OG coming in the main tank role on Florida and uh, partnering up with Gargoyle on the flex, on the off tank there. Sorry, I almost called it flex tank. Um, hopefully they'll be able to see some success with that tank line. Um, and, you know, even if they are maybe a little more reliant on their DPS line, with uh, which we know can be very successful and very impressive with Yaki and BQB. Um, I was really... I think most people were really impressed with their uh, their DPS line in the double hit scan meta last season. So I'm excited to see that. And then bringing in Checkmate, you know, hopefully he fills any gaps that they might have on the uh, on the DPS line up there, and uh, and we'll see some good stuff. Um, I mean, I didn't mention re-signing Gangnam Jin, but again, I talked about slime. So partnering those two up uh, should be exciting. So. Now, our final, final announcement here isn't on the trade tracker that I usually look at there, but I'm going to pull it up from a site called dailyesports.gg, and this was posted by Michael Czar. And it reads like this, Flex DPS Naist signs to the Toronto Defiant. Um, so he's got an article here. Go check it out because I don't feel like reading it right now. But he's got the tweet embedded there from the Toronto Defiant. Uh, Twitter account says we're excited to welcome Naist from T1 to the Toronto Defiant family pending league approval. Um, so this one is exciting um, because uh, from everything I've read, and I have read a little bit about Naist, uh, I've heard that he's cracked. Um, you know, I've heard that he's a very good flex DPS player. Um, he's been playing with T1 and uh, the, the Fusion University. Um, so Fusion's, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, academy team. Um, so exciting to see Toronto bringing in yet again some newer talent. Um, and like I say, you know, the expectations with Toronto just keep on getting higher. I'm very, very excited to see what they can pull off this next season. And with that, that brings us to the end of our show. 
Um, so it looks like we're coming in at just under an hour, maybe just over by the time I'm done recording. But I wanted to thank everyone for coming by. And if you know, if you if you were upset that there wasn't an episode last week, well, here you go. Here's one now. Um, but like I say, let me know on uh, on Twitter there. Send me a DM or just tweet at me if you'd like to see an episode next week, or if you'd rather see a probably more bulky, more thorough episode on the 30th of December there. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. So once again, thank you for tuning in to episode 28 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. I'm of course your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And please find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, reach out to me, interact with me, and I'd love to interact with you. Um, tune in next week where we'll talk about hopefully some more trades or even tune in the week after where we'll talk about some more trades um, and hopefully some more news and uh, anything else that's going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. But that's it for now. Thank you.